looking back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post. Good morning, everyone. This is our Anzac Day edition of Pass the Post, April 25. And uh, to all of our, uh, our servicemen who may be listening this morning, a big hello to you. And we'll have a special Anzac Day tribute in the latter part of the program, coming up in around three quarters of an hour. So stay with us for that. Uh, but, of course, yesterday we've passed the post for April 24, the Autumn Carnival concluding at Royal Randwick, but it's starting to get into full bloom as far as Brisbane and Adelaide is concerned. Michael Maxworthy from Sky joins me this morning. How are you, Michael? Good, thank you, David. Yes, it's uh, Adelaide and Brisbane's time to shine. Um, it's dovetailed quite nicely, hasn't it, into our carnivals, a hugely successful autumn carnival in particular in Sydney again. And it started a little bit shaky, didn't it, with the big wet mm. and they had to go back a week with the carnival. But um, some, some wonderful racing and, and plenty of highlights uh, over the last month in Sydney. And they are official starts next Saturday. It's the start of what's called Stradbroke season with a yep. host of uh, meetings being conducted by the BRC, but we've basically got feature meetings over the next 10 Saturdays here in South East Queensland from May, June, I think the first Saturday in July, and of course the big three Saturdays at Morfordville kicking off next Saturday with the uh, Tab Classic and also the Australasian Oaks. We'll talk more about that. We've got a lot of guests coming up and uh, plenty of information for you this morning. Let's make a start, though, and we'll go to Royal Randwick for the last day of the carnival. We had two Group 1s, the All Aged and the Champagne Stakes. Let's go to the All Aged first. And Mask Crusader was a $3 favourite, drew a wide gate and got a long way back. Dreamforce wings the corner in front. Colding comes off the fence, pushed Sabatiano. Then came Tagaloa, a gap back to Imaging. Now making some good headway is Cascadian coming through the field. Colding and Sabatiano, they go to the front. It's Colding and Sabatiano fighting it out. Colding the insider, Sabatiano. Sabatiano puts the head in front from Colding. She ran out Sabatiano. Colding kicked back. Cascadian late. It's a photo. Colding came back on Sabatiano, who may have thrown it away. Closing off hard at the end was Cascadian and 50 stars, followed by Kemantari in Prague. Further back to Dreamforce, I am Superman, followed by Tagaloa, Imaging, Mask Crusader, didn't close off from Pelzer and Zutori. It's a photo finish. Michael said it's been a very successful carnival. One of the features have been so many tight finishes. Darren Flindell will be, uh, I think, maybe relieved that the, the big racing is over. This was another one with Colding, yes, fighting back to beat... Savatiano by a short half head and a head away to the Doncaster winner Cascadian in third, but a great finish there. It was. Uh, didn't know where to look. Uh, Colding was ridden a beautiful race there, fourth defence, and, and managed to get up for Neville Morgan, who's, who's really struggling at the moment, isn't oh, he? <laughs> the man with the Midas touch. He hates it when I say it I too. Know. But he, Neville, you've got that Midas touch. He has. You've got it. You know how much money this horse has earned now? Six... Say how much money Neville Morgan's got. <laughs> $6.3 million. What a, what a great horse he's been. Well, it's funny you, it's funny you mentioned that just to... to, to come off that, a good segue, here's his honour roll so far, here's his CV, and remember, remember that it all really started for Colding two years ago at our carnival when he won the Guineas mm-hmm. at Group 2 level, so what follows in the next, uh, over the next two years? Uh, the Bill Ritchie Group 3, the Group 1 Epsom, the Golden Eagle, the Group 1 George May, the Group 2 Hill Stakes, and the Group 1 All Age Yesterday. Uh, so he's got a wonderful record, Colding. Seems to be a horse that Always seems to be there. Doesn't seem to have the the glamour factor to him, but no. 
I'd like to have a horse oh, with absolutely. a roll like that. I thought Savitiano had him, yeah. uh, but he wanted it more clearly towards the inside and... You can see that chestnut just in behind with the big baldy face. Gee, he was he was stiff. We're not taking anything away from first and second, but clearly with any clear running at all, he wins easily. Uh, Cascadian, uh, Mars Crusader. What did you make of his run? He had to go back to last, and we're seeing him with this electrifying turn of foot over twelve hundred when they go lickety split in the the group races early. But yesterday. Um, he it just didn't look good for him. If you if you've backed him coming towards the bend, he's last giving them a big start. Mm. It was always going to be difficult. Yet um, he, he still found the line well. Well, let's look at the time. And I'll, we have one of our later guests. I just want to touch on this again. I touched on this on press room Monday, and I think Stephen did in Racing Active about that watering of the track last week. But yesterday the track was a good fall again. But the times were sparkling compared to the previous week. No irrigation this week. I think one miller the whole week. Uh, 120.9 they ran. The last 634.12. So basically, there was no let up here. It was it was fast. It was a fast run race start to finish. He's yeah. come home in 32.81 miles Crusader. Yeah. So mathematically, it was going to be awfully hard. I thought he did well under the circumstances. And and you know. Just had to get too far back from that wide gate. The other eye-catching run was 50 stars, an Australian Cup winner over 2,000 metres. Um, I think John Allen said in a post-race interview, 50 metres and we probably win a further 50. And I noticed that he does hold an, or uh, is in the market at least for the Doombin Cup, where Mugger 2 is at $4. This market... Um, is uh, if you have a bet, it's refunded if the horse is not nominated. Mugger 2, 4, uh, Sedragone, 5, Melody Bell, 6, Zaki at 8. 50 stars is at $15 if mm. he comes, and that was, a, that was a, a huge run by him. Those noms will close for those big races on the 4th of May, so that's like, um, what, two, um, uh, Tuesday week, Tuesday yeah. week. Um, Colding also, he's won 11 races. I think it's fair to say... Uh, he's well. In fact, it's not fair to say. It's, it's correct to say that he's far more effective on dry tracks. When the tracks become wet, he's not as effective. And Chris Waller's the first to admit that. Nine of his eleven wins have been on good tracks. And just speaking of Waller, another successful carnival. That yesterday was his fourteenth Group One for the season. His best record so far is his one eighteen. I think that was in two thousand eighteen nineteen. Mm. Uh, so he's got to try and find five Group Ones before the end of the season. Tough call, but you don't put anything past Waller. And, of course, we've still got two carnivals to go, Adelaide yeah. and Brisbane. Well, Adelaide has four Group 1s, I think, mm. um, during this carnival, uh, the Winter Carnival, and, and we have eight in Queensland. So, <laughs> look, there's a, there's a slim chance. And I tell you what, that, that horse, Senor... Um, Toba. was very impressive yesterday mm. from the point of view of um, the Adelaide Derby, which might come around a little bit too soon, the SA Derby. I think more likely probably the Queensland Derby on May 29. Yeah, he was back to odds 251 down to 26. But that was Colding's all-age stakes win in a thrilling finish, uh, nosing out Savatiano and Cascadian right on their heels. Let's go to the other group one, the Champagne Stakes. Of course, this was always going to be all about Animo. They decided to pull up stumps and not run him. That changed the whole complexion of the market and the race. Let's go to the replay.
Morris has been out a dominant leader around the turn. Wolfburn making hard work of it. Converges railing through, giving chase to the front runner. Two further back to Captivant behind. Inside the 300, Morris and Bidab being joined now by Converge. Two lengths clear from Halal and Captivant starting their runs. Converge hits the lead from Captivant Halal. They're both giving serious chase. It's Converge being tackled by Captivant. Halal the outside. Captivant a neck up on Halal. And Captivant won the champagne. Captivant a half length. There too, Halal. Third between Converge and I've been there and Port Louis hitting the line hard. They got to Morris's me dad, then Jin Martini late. Further back to Akahata, Queen of Wizardry, Daily, Daily Bugle, From Lease, Wolfburn and Patton. J-Mac riding Captivon for Team Snowden. They capture Group 1 glory with Captivon. A hard-fought win over Halal. And Paul Snowden is our first guest on Pass the Post this morning. Paul, congratulations. Thanks very much, Dave. It's a good, good day. It certainly was a good day. And give us the backstory because this is quite a, uh, a well, not a unique story, but reasonably unique that, to all intents and purposes, he was going to the spelling paddock. Yeah, well, um, sort of after LMO sort of gave us a towel up in the size, we were sort of looking towards possibly a Brisbane campaign with him and missing the champagne. Um, obviously, we got confirmation from Godolph that they're definitely running there. And... Um, we probably kept him in for a little bit longer than what we initially thought, just in case change of plans happened with that horse and obviously give us a really good chance of running on Saturday. So um, we worked him right up until Tuesday. Um, and then uh, that, that was after after the size, obviously. And then he went in the paddock Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And we seen the, the uh, change of plan with NMO. Um, Worked him Saturday, he did a bit of pace work Sunday and then galloped again Tuesday for, for yesterday and uh, he, uh, yeah, that's, that's the story. Yeah, um, and that sort of emphasises, Paul, the respect that you and your dad have got for that, that Godolphin runner, Animo. Oh, look, there's no, there's no surprise there. Like, he's, uh, he's too good for, um, for, the, for the Colts that were down here at the moment and um, there's no doubt just that turn of foot that he's got certainly... He helps him uh, get out of trouble and, and get going in his races. So what he did to us in the size, uh, what he's run in the, in the golden slipper was enormous. So, um, you know, you just got to get know where, you, where your level is. And unfortunately, if he was going to run in the champagne, we were coming up to Brisbane. But um, that, that changed quickly. Paul, the Snowden name has now been associated with five champagne stakes winners. But this one also a little bit special being by Capitalist. Oh, sure was. It's, uh, this horse was actually Capitalist's first win. Um, and then to give him his first Group One winner was a was an amazing thrill, um, especially for Dad and myself. Obviously, training capitalist to win a badge means and a golden slipper. Um, to see what he's done this year at his first season at start is very, very, very special. All right. Well, what is the latest with Captivant? Um, do, do you look at the the Brisbane Carnival and maybe the JJ Atkins? Yeah, he still might come. Um, that's that's the um, decisions we we're, we're making sort of yesterday afternoon, but. First thing first is to see how the horse is, and I dare say we couldn't have got away with yesterday. Uh, it's just how we prepare the horse because he's one of these horses that loves stimulation. He loves different variety in his work, and he had a lot of work building up into the slipper and, and size, and um, that's probably why we sort of still got away with what we did yesterday, considering what happened in the lead up in the last sort of ten days to his to his race there yesterday. But. Um, just him sitting in the paddock for a long time is probably not what he likes. He just likes different things. Often he goes to the races on a Wednesday or a Thursday just for a day out mm. in the lead-up to a, to another race. So he just likes that um, 
that's stimulating. Um, his training is completely different to any other tier rider related to a, a helmet preparation. He was um, he was the only horse that we've ever done sort of something like this, you know, in the last 30 years that I've been here. So it's um, yeah, it's quite different, very different. Yeah. Well, he obviously had a big smile on his face when you pull him out of that spelling pad if he likes going to the races. He would have been happy about that. <laughs> yeah. He, he was pretty uh, pretty happy with himself the first day he got back anyway. <laughs> Tell us about, just let's move off Captive On, so congratulations there. What's happening with Wild Ruler? Wild Ruler, I think you'll probably see him up in Brisbane, um, maybe towards Kingsford Smith. Right. I think uh, same same deal with him. He's, he's more better for him just to keep ticking over in work. It's a long time between uh, now and, and when he needs to come back, like an Everest preparation, so... But no doubt we can we can get a slot there. But it's all about getting the horse to that to that next step. And well, we did it with Red, Red Zell quite a number of years. Now Chris Waller's doing it with Nature Strip. It's just that big gap in between when you need them to get them back. And they're, they're fine in themselves. They've got some racing left in them. So it's not as if they're tired. They need to go to the paddock. Well, that sort of thinking is uh, speaks good news for, for the Queensland Carnival because we do have... A lot of Group 1 races, and the prize money's pretty good this time around. The next two months, there's a lot of opportunities for horses to, to win good money here in Brisbane. Oh, there's no doubt about that. It's, it's always been a good carnival to go to, and just to have the horses to take up there, you know, it's, it's certainly um, it's, it's very good for us anyway. Paul, the travel arrangements uh, between uh, Sydney, Brisbane, and vice versa, it seems to work quite well with uh, the Tony Godden stable at Eagle Farm. Yeah, so obviously me and Tony are quite good friends. Um, whenever he comes to Sydney or Melbourne, he always stays with me and vice versa. So it's um, the, the travelling time is, is quite good. Like it's uh, it's just an overnight trip. It's very easy now with all the highways, things like that. You don't sort of go through too many towns and, and stoppages along the way. So it's it is very easy, um, and you can do it a couple of times. You probably won't get away with it three times in a preparation, but you can at least do it twice. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's, it's it's quite an easy thing to do now. Paul, congratulations also to your dad, Peter, and uh, I'd say odds on we'll see you up here during uh, May or June. But uh, certainly from yesterday's point of view, congratulations with Captain Vaughn. Thanks a lot, guys. Paul Snowden joining us, and yeah, good news about Wild Ruler. I mean, this yeah. carnival's really gaining impact, isn't it? It is. Every time you talk to somebody, you know, um, we're, we're talking quality. Uh, the Doombin 10,000, I mean, it went from, I'm thinking, you know, uh, some local horses, maybe fringe Group 1 horses, but now we've got Eduardo and Nature Strip. Nature Strip might hang around a little bit longer. I wonder whether he could go to a Kingsford Smith 1,300 metres. He's a control freak, and I say that in the nicest possible way, but a race like the Kingsford Smith with Nature Strip, what do you think? Yeah, 1,300 metres as well. Uh, yeah, interesting. But Not a lot of on-pace pressure, perhaps. No, and we see that often at Eagle Farm these days. David, yesterday, Captivant uh, beat Halal, and there wasn't a lot between them in the sires behind Animo. Halal was good again yesterday. Midfield, came wide, big run. And what about the Queensland? I'd been there poking up on the rails. A more than honourable mention, a really good performance. Uh, Stuart Kendrick has his happy knack of taking horses to big races. You remember Eric the Eel and the Derby? Yep. He did it yesterday. 
and uh, he was, you know, uh, well and truly vindicated and just missed third spot, but a, yep. a really good run. And I think the money was right on that um, Port Louis, uh, the Morris Colt. He was only having his third start. Big prices were bet right down. And, oh, look, he had barrier number 14, had to go back to second last, and then he had to switch him to the outside, maybe lost a little bit of momentum at the 200, but he was good late. I think they were right on the money with him. And I'd be interested, um, you know, Mar and Eustace, they love sending horses north if he comes up here for a JJ. For sure and certain. Let's go to the Hallmark Stakes Race 5. Now, speaking of the Kingsford Smith, here's another aspirant. This horse wins the race and his name is Splintex. Down to the 300, easy Eddie being tested by Splintex now. A length off to 11-11 and further back to Victorum down the outside. Splintex got to the front now from a charge. Rainier's coming out of the pack. Splintex in front from Rainier. Splintex clings on. Splintex beat Rainier. Three-way go for third. Victorum wide out. Outback Barbie late on the scene and Sonore Fox. They got to easy Eddie. Then came uh, further back in the race to Rahiran from Deprive and uh, 11-11 with easy Yes, Splintex, he's a professional galloper. He won the arrow field as a three-year-old, winning there at group level yesterday. Josh Parr riding for Mark Newton. We're going to have a chat with Mark a little later in the program because there's uh, emphasis on the Dooman meeting as well, where Mark played uh, a significant role. A Splintex race by the Grimish family and uh, a a horse that may well uh, go to the Kingsford Smith. Yeah, 1,300 metres at weight for age. Um, run at Eagle Farm. I thought it was a solid win yesterday, David. He was sort of always holding rainy air. Um, he always looked to have control of the race. He was fast away, brilliant gate speed, and uh, let Easy Eddie go. Uh, but once he, he hit the lead, there was nothing really challenging. Rainier was quite good there. I thought Outback Barbie, this is what she does. Mm. Yeah, she's always... Was that her last run yesterday? Um I don't know. She's been around a long time and, you know, she, she's only won, what, just the four races from 31. But she's, you know, she's been at the highest level, snapping at their heels. And she showed yesterday that, you know, she's she's a top-class mare. Yeah, she's been very competitive, but uh, certainly not winning in a turn. I think even Tony Gollan um, um, concedes that now, but she's done very well. That was Splintex. But we'll talk more about Splintex when we, we chat with Mark Newnham later in the program. Let's have a listen to the JRA played the fourth race. Wugok in front, travelling strongly at the 600, by three quarters to one tighter. Car gets going now and Cariff peeling three wide. Pars of Glory still fourth defence, followed by Zarek on the improve. From Polly Gray, Zaki gets going now. He's starting to circle the field as they come up the rise and on Taunton, Cariff moved up to take the lead, but Zaki's chiming in nicely. Then came Hangman getting to the outside. Zaki moved up now, took the lead. Down the outside is Hangman, and up the inside, Pars of Glory starting to fight the line well. Zaki in front of Pars of Glory is strong the inside. Pars of Glory pushed out by King. Pars of Glory beat the favourite Zaki. Hangman third. Get back to either Polly Gray or Grey Lion for fourth. Then came Zarek on Taunt Weekend out. So did Cariff and Wugok. Yeah, Pars of Glory. He's rising seven, but he's only had the 21 starts. That was his seventh win yesterday for Richard and Michael Freeman. Uh, did the job well, beating Zaki. And we'll talk about Zaki a little later as well when we have a chat, hopefully, with Annabelle Nisham. Yeah, Paths of Glory did have that perfect run, mm. didn't he? Third defence from barrier number two, whereas uh, Zaki uh, sort of gave them a big start. He had to sustain that long run from the 600, and he was only second up coming out of that uh, the Doncaster handicap. So I think there was a, a little excuse for him, and 
Um, just hoping that um, Annabelle brings him north for maybe the Hollandale or the Doombin Cup. I think in the Doombin Cup he's around about $8 at the moment, Saki, behind Mugger 2 at 4. John O'Shea had a good day at the office. He won the last two races with Rock O'Clock, who we've seen here previously, and also yeah. this horse Lost and Running, which looks well above average. It won that benchmark 88, and uh, they're more than likely to be here. Uh, I think just going back to your point too, the fact that the carnival got put back a week with the golden slipper being washed out, it reduced the gap by a week between Sydney mm. and Brisbane. I think that's playing in our favour. I think too because um, there, might, there was that extra gap uh, mm. between some of our feature races up here, whereas the trainers might have been inclined to say, oh, we won't bother going to Brisbane. It's too far away. So I think it might play in our favour. Let's turn our attention now to Doombin. We raced on a soft five. But we raced on a soft five right through the day as well. We had three listed races, which we're going to have a listen to. And they, they did clearly take the top off the track there yesterday, didn't mm, they? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to the tail stakes at listed level race five. And the favourite here was the inform there, walking flying at $3.40. In the home straight, Olmedo. Olmedo leads the way from Constant Flight. A length behind it. Reloaded up to third. Walking Fly has now got work to do. It's Olmedo in front. Maloney happy to ride hands and heels. Reloaded on the outside. It's coming strongly now. It's still Olmedo in front. Reloaded is about a length behind it. Olmedo in front. Here comes the post. Olmedo. Beat Reloaded, I'd say. Third, either Walking Flying or Constant Flight, then the Candyman, followed by Salamade in his stride, Barefoot, Supergiant and Plumatic last home. Well, Almedo were finally striking pay dirt here in Australia, although he's really only had a handful of starts. And when you consider he was racing in uh, races like the Doncaster, the Cantala, the listed tails looked, a, well, was a much, much easier assignment. But he polarised opinion. Some thought, oh, he's, you know... Over the hill, pass yeah. it. No, you didn't. You, you, no, you, you I treated thought, him with respect. I treated him with respect. <laughs> and in the end, the market didn't treat him with respect initially, but in the end, the market did treat him with respect. He was a, a significant mm. firmer. Let's see what the trainer has to say. Annabelle Neesham is joining us on Past the Post. Annabelle, good morning. What did you think about Almedo yesterday? Did you think he'd win? Uh, I was I was obviously very hopeful. Um, dropped back in class. Um, uh, to be honest, when I was watching it, um, sort of live during the run, I thought um, he was going to have to be pretty good to to hold on. He obviously, you know, he's quite aggressive um, in the run, and obviously a couple of horses um, got on his outside. I thought he got racing a bit, but um, it was a good ride by Ryan. He looked like he probably got one cheap sectional and um, carrying the 61. Um, I thought he was very very brave to um, get the job done. You've only had him for a handful of starts. I think he started with Casey Fogden, went to, to Chris Waller. You've got him now. How has he been since you, you've taken him over? Oh, he's a beautiful colt. Um, very good-looking horse. Um, always works quite well. Um, he's just it's just been trying to find the right race for him. We sort of wanted to ride him quietly. Or not, you know, I certainly didn't expect to lead in the Doncaster with him. Um, sort of a learning curve, obviously. Uh, new horse to the stable, but he, he was a lot keener than I'd anticipated. Um, and I think he's entitled to fold late, um, you know, being first up and, and leading a field of that quality. Um, so, you know, I said to Ryan yesterday, if you if you can get cover, if someone wants to cross you, great, let them. Um, be, it would be nice to, to get a sit with him and see if he can relax a bit. But at the same time, you know, don't overcomplicate things. And, and if, if he's happy to roll along, um, you know, then, then let him. So that's, that's the way it panned out. And, 
Um, yeah, I thought he was very brave. So I think, you know, he hasn't had a win for a long time. Hopefully he'll take plenty of confidence away from that win. 18 starts, four wins. Uh, he's only had the, uh, what, five starts here in Australia now. Um, um, just a couple, in fact. Annabelle, he arrived here with a really high rating, didn't he? Being a French 2000 Guineas winner at Group 1, and he was sort of placed at Group 3 level at Deauville. So um, he's back on track now. What does the future hold for him this preparation? Yeah, I was going to sit down with, with the connections and, and work out where we go next. Um, sort of at the start of the start of the prep, I thought probably Hollandale and, and Doombin Cup, but just the way, you know, the speed that he's showing, I'm not sure that's the way we will go, um, whether we keep him at, at the shorter trips um, and possibly even try him back to 14 could be an option. So, um, look, everything's on the table at the moment, um, but we'll, you know, he'll have a, a couple of nice easy days um, over the next few days and then, and then we'll plot a path with him, but... He's certainly got plenty of speed. And a lot of these European horses, when they come to Australia, you know, they can end up um, sort of being sharper than, than what they were overseas. Obviously, you know, when they're trained over there, they've got lots of rolling hills and, mm. and um, it's a very different way of training them here. And, and you can find more speed in their legs. And I think that's, that's possibly the case with this horse. Annabelle, you've been training a relatively short time and you've had a real happy knack or a good run of success here in Brisbane or southeast Queensland. Just wanted to talk about a couple of other horses. Where's Zaki heading? Of course, we just listened to him run second in that JRA, JRA plate yesterday. Yeah, I thought he was brilliant yesterday. Um, obviously, he'd love to win, but you know, he had top weight and um, you know, he covered a little bit of ground around the turn. Uh, so I thought that was a, a tough win. Uh, sorry, tough run in what was only a second start over here. Um, he'll head to the Doombin Cup. Um, whether he goes straight there or, or whether he goes to the Hollandale en route. We'll just see how he is over the next few days, but he'll certainly be heading up to Queensland. And I thought Prague was a ripper in the all-aged. He was superb. Um, it's just a shame. It was the only time he's jumped this preparation. The blindfold works, but um, you know he'd, he'd drawn wide, so Jason elected to come back uh, on him, which you know had he drawn a gate and, and not had to be dragged back, who knows what... what um, it was only, I think, a length in it in the end. Who knows if it might have been a different story, the result. But he's a he's a really, really good colt. Um, he hasn't had a win in his four starts this prep, but he's he's finished um, no worse than fourth in really good company. And I think if we can, if he can jump like he jumped yesterday, um, he's going to win a big race. And um, he's another horse, you know, sit down with the connections and work out where he goes. But certainly the Kingsford Smith and the Stradbroke will be on the table. Okay, for Prague. And are there any others that you've earmarked for maybe Adelaide or Brisbane over the next month or so, Annabelle? Uh, yeah, Wisdom of Water. He's going to come up and run in the uh, Gold Coast Guineas on the 8th of May. Um, it'll be good to get him you know, back on a track that he's done so well on. Um, there, there might be a, a couple of two-year-olds. I think Ghostwriter will hopefully come up. We've got a Shima running up there this weekend. Um, in the Dalrello and um, possibly Holyfield to come up uh, as well. So there's a there's certainly a, a number of horses, and we sh I think we'll have a team of you know probably six horses or so up there. Look forward to seeing you up here during May and June, Annabelle. And uh, once again, good to see Almedo strike it uh, in the race yesterday. Thanks, guys.
Annabelle Neesham joining us, another trainer, bringing several runners. Yeah, uh, reloaded. Um, he almost Ooh. upset Almeida. It was a great effort by Almeida. As Annabelle pointed out, she didn't really want him to leave, but he was really keen there when pressured a bit early and did a terrific job, you know, running fast sectionals under the 61, given that reloaded had 54 and a half. Walking flying, that was probably, I think, a, a you know, a equal career best for her. Mm. She was good. Um, the candy man, he sort of had to come wide, didn't he, turning into the home straight. Did talk to Barry Baldwin after, and he did miss some work, at least a week, I believe, um, in, in transition from, you know, Melbourne coming back to Brisbane. Can you imagine my thoughts when Reloaded loomed alongside? Oh, yes. I'll meet her with my money on it. And after I said about Reloaded, would could never, I would never tip it again. Got beaten in a class one. And not only that, um, you were tipping up um, Almeida. I think you were more guessing. Um, well, you, well, as I said to, to Nathan <laughs> yesterday, well you, had to take, well, you had to take one point of view. You either said, he's better than these, mm. or... No, he's not. So I just went yeah. into that camp. Yeah, look, he, he led at a strong gallop in the Doncaster, was beaten 20. But when you look at it, when they got to the 250, Tommy Berry just sat up on him. He was, he was being rapidly overhauled, and he sat up and just let him sort of hack to the line. Had he been beaten, had he ridden him out to the line and he, he gets beaten seven or eight lengths, you'd be thinking, now hang on a second. Mm. But uh, the, 20, the 20 worried me a little bit. At least, at least you <laughs> snuck him in for fourth, I think it was. That was, that was good to see. Let's go to the, the big tip and play. There's a sensation here at the start. Uh, simply fly bucks, tosses Steph Thornton off, and it ended up being a, a very fluctuating finish. Here's the replay. Down the side, 500 left to Rana. Sherry Lenny, Kisakano, Noble War, Zingalong, Blur Zebra. And about six in the turn. Then Miss Canada, followed by Kamasi, Garoppolo, Pareto, and Lord Olympus in the straight, though. Sherry leads from Kisakano. Zingalong coming at the pair. And about is trying to shift off heels. And then came Garoppolo, Miss Canada, and Kamasi down the outside. 100 left to run. Zingalong took a narrow lead. Running on strongly as Lord Olympus. Look at this fly home. Zingalong in front. Lord Olympus went to it and I'd say beat it. Lord Olympus from Zingalong. Uh, Sherry or Andamat for the Miners. Then came Garoppolo Noble War, followed by Parado, Miss Canada. Kisakano stopped very quickly, then Kamasi and Blur Zebra, and a sensation of the Big Dipman with Simply Fly dislodging Steph Thornton about 100 metres after the start. Yes, we'll talk about that shortly, but uh, it was Lord Olympus. This was a last-to-first victory over the 11-10 Singalong wasn't too happy about it when they went past the post. He had a, a bit of a go at, uh, at Lord Olympus, but this was an impressive win. Mark Newnham had two horses racing yesterday, Splintex and Lord Olympus. Both won, one at group level and one at listed level. Not bad. He's with us now. Mark, good morning. Yeah, good morning, David. This was a good win, Lord Olympus. Did you expect him to be that far back? Oh, no, I didn't expect uh, him to be last, that's for sure, but... He's a he's a horse that can be a little bit slow away on occasion, and um, but he's he's pretty versatile in his racing pattern. And I'd said that to Michael anyway. I said, look, just ride him how he jumps. If he you know if he begins quickly, well you know he can race handy. If he doesn't, well it's up to him to guide him through the race. And he did a very good job of it. Yeah, and, and obviously you were being realistic, Mark, um, with him running here and not in the arrow field. Um, you felt right now that this is his level, the level that we saw him at yesterday? Yeah, Michael, it, it, um, you know, placing your horses is very important. And, um, you know, he's built up a good winning record 
because of it. And he's a gelding, so we're not, uh, you know, we don't have to be chasing, you know, group races with him. We're only chasing prize money, and and we want him, we want him winning. So, um, you know, his run at Rose Hill was very respectable, but I didn't see him turning the tables on any of those going into the Arrow field. And Isotope confirmed that format, although narrowly beaten in the Arrow field. Um, and I just thought yesterday's race was probably a bit more achievable. When we can watch the races in replay on the Sunday morning, sit back in the leisure of our land share, but watch this ride of Carl's. Uh, you know, he's a modest, unassuming man, but a very good rider, and he just weaved and threaded the needle. It was a wonderful ride to watch in hindsight, wasn't it? Yeah, look, he kept him balanced and he kept his momentum, and that was the key to it. Um, you know, you never saw at any stage of him dragging him sideways to, to look for runs. He, he, he let the horse build through his gears and um and was patient enough to wait till the you know till the runs open but that's what you get with michael i've known him a, a long time and um you know I, I use him quite regularly when we come to queensland mark did you get an opportunity to have a look at the head-on vision of the start simply fly the heavily back favorite dislodged steph thornton and, and sort of shifted out sharply and so i don't know whether he came into contact with lord olympus but he may have come pretty close yeah, Michael said he, he just avoided him. Um, it um, it could have been a complete disaster for us travelling up there, and and uh, if he had collected him, well, that would have been a, a absolutely wasted opportunity. But um, anyway, horse and rider got around it all right and um, got the right result. Do you have another race in mind for him now? I'll probably run him in the Gold Coast Guineas. Right. Um, he'll travel home tonight, regardless. Um, I'd, I'd rather just keep him at home at the moment, but um, you know, he'll, he'll most likely travel back up again. Michael was saying you're very realistic in your assessment of horses. That's one of your um, key features as a trainer. Splintex, you acknowledge as a horse who's not right at the top shelf, but he's only a length or two below, and he's a, a very professional galloper, but you prepared to bring him up here for the, the Kingsford Smith? Yeah, look, I've I've been looking at it this morning, and look, there's the three options there for in the Doom at ten thousand, the Kingsford Smith, or the Morton Cup, and you know it'll be a combination of two of those. Uh, which two? I'll sort of I'll just make up my mind. I really think it'd be a hard task asking him to beat uh, Nature Strip and Eduardo, um, twelve hundred round Doombin. but because barrier draws are so important there. Um, you know, I may even nominate just to see what the field, uh, the makeup of the field may be. Um, he's a he's a horse that um, can go, a, you know, a little bit of a gap between runs, and it doesn't. He's easy to keep up to the mark. So uh, while he's while he's in good form, and he hasn't had much luck in his first two runs here. So yesterday's race was uh, dropped back in grade, um, and and things you know things went his way. So. He's a he's a good horse. Um, whether he's quite at that Group One levels, you know, debatable. But he's still a colt, so we've got to place him to advantage. Um, he will have a future at stud somewhere along the line. He's got a terrific pedigree, and the one thing he's got is an abundance of speed, and he's very sound. So they're the type of horses that make good stallions. Um, and interesting enough, even if he does. Um, go to stud without a group one win um you know it hasn't hurt i'm invincible or uh um, not a single doubt uh as, as stallions without going to stud uh, without a group one win so 
you know, that's not uh, that's not the be-all and end-all once you get to the breeding barn, but uh, we'd love to get it ticked off before he does go. Uh, Mark, it's Anzac Day today. I, I want you at this point to, to pay tribute to uh, Splintex's owner, uh, Jeff, Jeff and Mary Grimish. Uh, this day means a lot to him. Yeah, Jeff, he's a Vietnam vet, and um, all his horses are, uh, are named with uh, a military connotation to them. And Splintex especially, um, Jeff carries around a little piece of Splintex in his wallet, um, which is um, part of a mortar. And um, and Jeff was involved in um, a few um, critical battles in Vietnam. Mm. And, look, he's a very, um, very quiet man, but a very um, generous man to a lot of... Um, charitable causes um some in this country and some in vietnam and you know he um anzac day is a, a you know a, a big thing for jeff and he, he did ask me a few weeks ago could we get uh is there a race for him around anzac day because mm. he has um a lot of his uh army mates around him today and um and yesterday they all love a punt so um you know the, the horse was able to do the job for us and uh, you never stop learning, Mark. Uh, Michael Maxworthy thought Splintex was something you used to get rid of splinters. <laughs> so, so, so you, not you, true. You, you've helped us well, out in more ways than one. Splinters. I think they cause more than splinters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just before we let you go, uh, anything else coming up for the carnival? Is Bargain coming up? Yeah, she'll, uh, she'll most likely come up. I'll, I'll give her a trial um, in the next two weeks and bring her up for the Roses. And then, then the Oaks. Um, she's a really good, tough filly who um, ran well back to back there in the Adrian Knox and the and the Oaks. Um, she handles wet ground really well, so you know we get that a little bit up there at this time of year. And um, you know, she's come through the Oaks really well. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. We look forward to seeing you up here during the winter. Great, thanks, guys. Mark Newnham joining us this morning. David, it was a good performance by Lord Olympus to come from last, but um, there was a lot going on in that race. Yeah. Uh, well, what happened at the start was simply fly. There were a couple stiff in the race. Garoppolo? Oh, yes. Um, Garoppolo. I just wanted to look at him yesterday and see how he was going to handle that big jump in grade. And he was going for an inside run. He was caught behind Cherry. Perhaps he goes close to winning it um, because he clearly had the jump on Lord Olympus. And the other one was um, Ander Matt, who was tight for room in the home straight. Noble War, who was way out of his depth as well, didn't have a lot of room over the final part. So um, we need to watch that race again. Even Miss Canada, they had a change of tactics right back and let her run on. She found the line very well the last 100 metres. Let's move on. We'll go to the Princess Stakes for Eureka Stud. And Tycoon Evie's the favourite, $2.10. Tycoon Evie's had it all her own way. Comes up to the turn, fully in control of affairs. Easy far, ramming the second. Then came She's at Regatta, Deep Seaver, and the others were struggling, hit her by force of will. By the 300 metres, Tycoon Evie is in full flight. Easy far's running a race, only a length behind it, and they sprinted away from Deep Seaver. But Tycoon Evie with 100 metres to go in front. Easy far's not giving up. Tycoon Evie's got a fight. Easy far's got it. Easy far, too strong. Beat home, Tycoon Evie. Deep Seaver third, Good Soy's fourth, then Force of Will better get set, followed by Loving Miss Only Words, then Rations, Casilla, Wellinga Panache. She's at Regatta last home in 138.58.
Easy far for Chris Waller. Luke Dittman in the saddle, having a good run in transit and getting down Tycoon Evie. Yeah, I looked at that race at Randwick, uh, the Adrian Knox, and sort of marked, well, maybe she didn't stay. She really dropped out of it. But back to the mile yesterday. Um, it was a good performance because she had gate one and clearly you could see her go down on her nose. One stride out mm. of the gates, had to pick herself up. She was checked going into the 1,300-metre bend. I thought Evie had her at the 150 when Tycoon Evie gave a kick, but she was overhauled a little bit late. What did you make of her run? I was a little disappointed with Tycoon Evie, only because I hold her in high regard. The fact Mm. that she had a very easy trip in front, the sectionals tell us that. Maybe it was three weeks between runs. Maybe it was going from 1,200 to 1,600. I wouldn't, uh, far from, from sacking her, but I thought she'd win yesterday in the yeah, run she had. Well, I was the same at the 150. I was sort of counting the cash. Um, but maybe, like she was 1,600 metres at Eagle Farm, a big gap back to the 1,200 when she beat Kisakano, and then 21 days back to the mile yesterday. So a couple of little things there with her. Um, I think out of that going forward to the, um, what do we go to, the bracelet and the fortnight yeah. of the Gold Coast, the horses that finish behind those top two, hard to see them finishing ahead in the, the Phillies races over the I, next month or so. I'd say good soys would be an well, improver. Possibly, especially getting to the, the Oaks distance mm. of 2,200 metres. Just before we leave, Dooman Skins, impressive in the last, a win as expected. Uh, David Van Dyke is going to nominate for the Stradbroke, but would have to win a qualifying race yeah, well, because his rating's not strong That's enough. the thing to get him in, but, um, you know, he's a five-year-old, lightly raced, um, maturity's there and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot more to come from. He was super impressive yesterday in that, that rating 85. We're talking about stakes races, but, geez, he's been powerful the last 200 metres at his last couple. We'll take a quick break. Our Anzac Day tribute not too far away, but we've got a cover off on Morfordville and we'll do that after this break. Past the Post on Radio Tab. Adelaide's Autumn Carnival kicks off next Saturday, but several key lead-up races yesterday, one of those being the Chairman's Stakes. This was the Group 3 for the three-year-olds with several on a path towards the derby. Here's the replay. Royal Mile brings them up to the 500 metres in the Chairman's Stakes. A narrow margin. There are attackers now. Firstly, Oath of Omerta. Monte Pulciano. Miletus is coming into it nicely, as is Casino 17. Noble Heights getting to the outside. Deep Strike looking for room. So too a breed. Royal Mile's got a strong kick. He fends them at the moment. Royal Mile's a half in front. Monte Pulciano. Casino 17. Then came Noble Heights. Royal Mile fends them off. He's got it, won the chairman stakes. Royal Mile from Maybe She brings it, Monte Pulciano, Itchy Bansan, and then Noble Heights. Close up, A Breed from Deep Strike, Casino 17, Miletus. They're followed at the head of the others by Azalee. Then Confrontational, Oath of Omerta, El Magnifico, and Crown Mint. Royal Mile continues on his winning way. That's now four straight coming off the listed Port Adelaide Guineas, the Group 3 chairmans yesterday, trained by Lee Creek. Uh, is Lee with us now to uh, have a chat? Lee, good morning. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, David. Just wanted to touch base. Didn't want to hold you up too long. Just to check how he came through the race. All good this morning? Yeah, no, he arrived home safely last night. Um, yeah, physically looks looks fine. Um Obviously tired, but um, uh, physically looks looks in great shape. So all well. And we saw his versatility yesterday. It came to the fore because he was in a, a front-running role. Yes, that was um, yeah, uh, foreign territory for him. 
So, um, but he was forced there. So Jacob made the right decision, and um, yeah, he's he's a pretty versatile horse now. He can pretty much do it either way. He certainly can. As I said, he's won five from eight. So uh, we, when we spoke last time, you said the horse will do the talking in terms of whether he goes to the Derby or not. Yesterday was two thousand metres. Is the Derby now? Bang on, spot on? Um, yeah, p- provided the horse pleases me by the end of the week, he'll obviously be nominated on Tuesday. Um, but, yeah, as long as he, he pleases me by the weekend, um, you would imagine on what we've seen yesterday that the, the 2,500 wouldn't be an issue. So, uh, like I said, as long as the horse pleases me, um, we, we more than likely had there. So. And just a quick mention, because he is worth mentioning. Jacob, Jacob Opperman has had a w- wonderful association. This is a great, this is a great time for this boy. Yeah, he hasn't been riding that long, and uh, he's on a horse who's now a live Derby chance. And yesterday, as we said, he went forward on him, rated him well, a cool, calm, and calculated ride. Yep, correct. Um, yeah, he had to make a very. He sort of tested the water there for a little bit, and I, I thought, well, he was three wide on the speed. He only had a couple more seconds, and he was was going to be caught. But he, yeah, great decision, and um, just rated the horse perfectly. And, and as you could see, as he got to about the 500 metre mark, he was still travelling well. So uh, yeah, 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 gutsy ride. Yeah. Onwards and upwards. Congratulations. Enjoy your day. Thanks, Lee. Thanks a lot, David. Lee Creek joining us, and uh, this is a good story, Royal Yeah, and he did ride him beautifully, I thought, oh, because terrific. he looked for a leader, nothing was doing, and just sort of went to the front, had him nice and relaxed, strong kick. Deep strike ran eighth, uh, the price Kent runner. He was held up in the home straight, so when you're looking at the form, you'll see that he ran eighth, but his run was, you know, a lot better than that, obviously. Just before we go, of course, it's Anzac Day. They're racing everywhere today, as they do on Anzac Day. But uh, Hong Kong's got a special day. Yes, their Champions Day, their second biggest international race day of the year, of course, following um, the second week in December. Uh, three international Group 1s. We've got the QE2 Cup, the Chairman Sprint Prize. That was won by Chautauqua from last mm. a couple of years ago. And the Champions Mile holds most interest for me. Unfortunately, this year, there's not a lot of uh, international representation because of COVID, but the Japanese are there. Um, Golden 60 doesn't have a lot in the way of opposition in the mile. He's at 17 starts, 16 wins. He's a five-year-old Aussie bred by Medallia Doro to be ridden by Vincent Ho. I think last time I looked on the Hong Kong Toad, a dollar ten. Um, he's won by a head at his last two. Latest over two thousand metres in the Gold Cup, where he just got up. But I like him dropping back to the mile, where they're likely to go a little bit faster. So he's an exciting horse. He should win Golden Sixty. Um, Dan on Smash should win the Sprint. And I see the Japanese horse Daring Tact is the warm favourite for the QE2 Cup. Sky Thoroughbred Central today, in particular uh, for the Champions Mile and the QE2 Cup races 7 and 8 at Sha Tin. A big lead-up of about 20 minutes, so be able to watch Sky Thoroughbred Central, watch them in the yard and take in all of the excitement of uh, great racing. Will I take afternoon. those three in an all-up? Yes, they'll all win. Okay. Uh, they're all hot favourites. Um, not a lot of depth to the races this year, as I said, for obvious reasons. Has got. Enjoy your day and thanks for this morning. Okay, thank you, David. Michael Maxworthy from Sky joining us. Thanks for your company on Anzac Day, but it's not over yet. Stay with us as we go to the top of the hour with a tribute, not only to those who've served for the country, but the role and the contribution of racing in terms of wartime. Today we commemorate Anzac Day.
remembering when the Australian and New Zealand Army Corps stormed the Gallipoli Peninsula on April 25, 1915, during World War I. Fittingly, the day now pays respect more broadly to those who have lost lives, suffered injury or served in wartime conflict or peacekeeping operations. It may surprise many these days, but as a fledgling nation, Australia took to the task of participating as an ally very willingly in World War I, which spanned from 1914 to 1919. The Australian racing industry, still a relatively new phenomenon of just over half a century, was also swift in their support of the country's war effort. Leading race clubs directed a lion's share of their profits to boost the government's war coffers. The suggestion that racing should be curtailed or even closed during this period met with strong opposition from these clubs. They made the valid point, even over a century ago, that racing was an industry and any attack on its existence would be an attack on people's livelihoods. Thousands of racing's younger participants eagerly enlisted. As history shows, the toll on life was immense and so many horses lost their lives in the Light Horse Regiment. But Sky Sports Radio's Kevin Wolfe takes up the story on one horse that didn't. In the First World War, 136,000 horses were sent overseas by the Australian Imperial Force. Only one horse made it home to Australia. His name was Sandy. This gentle bay gelding belonged to Major General Sir William Bridges. He was his favourite steed. Sandy was one of 6,000 horses sent by ship from Egypt to Gallipoli, but he never made it ashore. Lieutenant General Sir William Birdwood saw there was no room nor requirement for horses on Anzac Cove, so he sought approval to send the horses back to Egypt. On May 15, Major General Bridges was shot at Gallipoli and died three days later. He was buried in Egypt, but his remains were exhumed and brought home. Bridges is the only identified Australian soldier killed in World War I to be afforded this honour. He was reburied overlooking Duntroon, the military college in Canberra he'd founded before the war. His dying wish was for Sandy to be taken back to pasture at Duntroon. Instead, Sandy was transported to Egypt in late 1915, then transferred to France in March 1916. In October 1917, Senator George Pearce, Minister for Defence, called for Sandy to be returned home. In May 1918, the horse was sent from France to England, where he remained for three months until being declared free of disease and safe to travel. In September 1918, Sandy boarded a freighter in Liverpool bound for Melbourne. He arrived at the Central Remount Depot in Maribyrnong in November, where he lived out his remaining days. Sandy never made it to Duntroon due to his increasing debility, and he was humanely put down in May 1923. He remains the one and only whaler who made it home from the war. Lest we forget. Over a century later, the racing industry has not forgotten those who served in World War I, man and horse. A race meeting was conducted at Palestine near Jericho as a diversionary tactic in 1918 by our light horsemen. The main event was the Jericho Cup run over three miles, won by Bill the Bastard. Through the foresight of philanthropist Bill Gibbons, the Jericho Cup is now staged annually in Victoria over the gruelling 4,600 metres. They're into the home straight now, and it's still count zero for Luke Stumpy Williams. This would be the biggest win of his career. He's been riding for 30 years. He's four lengths in front. 
Second placing is Dan Bula, then Will John, but count zero. He's going to do it. It will be one hell of a wild party, I tell you. He's won the consolation. Now he's won the Hames Pace Jericho Cup. Count zero, you beauty, in a like a Glen Boss celebration stumpy. Five lengths, two Dambula, Will John, alienated fourth over. Golden Flag was fifth. Then old transfer allowance from Jaquila, so able. Derinkler, next in the race was frenzied. Matas, always near the back. Followed by Super Laguera. Take your hats off to them all. They did the light horsemen and our war veterans proud. A wonderful tribute to those who served in World War I. But Australia's approach to World War II, which spanned from 1939 to 1945, was far more measured to that of World War I. The massive loss of life during the First World War was still etched in the minds of Aussies. This war was also starkly different in its makeup, with advanced technology and significant new players in the world confrontation. However, racing was still generous in its support financially through club profits and loans even, which also served as a strong buffer to any government approach to close down the industry. Racing's schedule remained generally unaffected, but December 7, 1941 was a date that would jolt Australia out of its false sense of security. In terms of racing and World War II, a tribute now quite rightfully shifts its attention to Brisbane's racing precinct of Eagle Farm and Doombin. The attack on Pearl Harbour by the Japanese on December 7 now brought a very real threat to our own shores. Against a backdrop of increasing austerity measures, racing's immediate future came into a much sharper focus. So imagine the shock of trainers and stable hands turning up for track work to find Eagle Farm, and shortly after Doombin, occupied by military personnel before being deployed to places like Darwin or Timor. In the space of a week, Eagle Farm had been transformed into Camp Ascot and Dooman became Camp Dooman, occupied largely by the US military. To quote US President General Dwight Eisenhower, our Pacific base must be in Australia. And Brisbane became the headquarters for the Allied war effort until its conclusion in 1945. The conversion of Eagle Farm and Dooman to training camps had multiple effects on the racing industry. The 1,200-metre sand track at Albion Park, closed in 1981, became the sole venue for racing in south-east Queensland from 1942 to 1945. The Queensland Turf Club put their feature races on hold, but the Brisbane Amateur Turf Club ran their Newmarkets New Markets and Dooman Cups on the saucer-like track before tens of thousands of racegoers. But Albion Park, or The Creek, as it was affectionately known, wasn't to everyone's liking. Some trainers moved into state, while others headed to other parts of Queensland. But this wartime setup, slap bang in the heart of Brisbane racing, I feel set the wheels in motion on what is now accepted as an unbreakable bond on the world stage. Those thousands of Yanks housed at Camp Ascot or Camp Dooman established a great rapport with the locals. And one venue where that was clearly evident was at Albion Park, which raced on three of the four Saturdays each month. The Americans and the Aussies rubbed shoulders regularly on race day before adjourning to the Breakfast Creek after the last. You can't tell me that racing in Brisbane at Albion Park during the war years did not play some small part in that US-Australia alliance that is so powerful today. Of course, so many lives were lost again, but if there was a positive, this was it.
Whether it be World War I or World War II, horse racing was a great morale booster during these troubled times. It can't be quantified, but it can be clearly recognised. Peace was declared on August 15, 1945, and racing, like society, slowly returned to business as usual. It didn't take long for a new racing star to emerge a year later, and yet how ironical this champion showed his brilliance in a track gallop at Albion Park, even before he raced, the course that played such a significant role in World War II. Half a mile to go and Fox Breeze coming back to his feet, leading a length and a half to Puffham, a length farther back is Repshot, two lengths to Wellesley, a half farther back is Burnborough on the inside moving up, uh, Burnborough just lost a bit of ground there, then comes TK, a length farther back is Craigie, then I will. With three furlongs to go, Puffham leads from uh, Repshot, got a beautiful run through on the inside and has joined Puffham in the lead. And Repshot, uh, with two furlongs to go, is just in front of Puffham, three lengths farther back is Fox Breeze. Then on the inside is TK, followed by Burnborough on the outside. With a furlong and a half to go, the leader is Repshot, leading a length farther back is Puffham. Uh, two lengths farther back is Craigie, followed by Burnborough, who is uh, coming home fairly well now with a furlong to go. Repshot leads by about a length from Burnborough from the clouds. He's coming like a tornado. And Burnborough's got his head in front of T-Cake. Burnborough's flying away. Oh, this mighty horse is going to win it well. And Burnborough goes on and wins it from T-Cake. Third is Craigie. The next is Repshot, followed by Puffham. Then Wellesley, Blueness, Fox, Breeze and I will. And last of all... The great Burnborough. The racing industry played a significant role in times of war and many racing participants served, either delaying or ending their dreams and ambitions. Today, Anzac Day, we remember them, but as a racing industry collectively, we remember all who served for their country, lest we forget.